It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. You can find my work at NBC Sports Chicago and Bears Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And today, we're going to turn our attention to the new upstart Alliance of American Football. And let's take a look at what the Chicago Bears might be able to get out of the AAF. We'll explain kind of what the AAF is and how it works with the NFL and how it's a little bit different. Then we'll update ourselves on some former Chicago Bears participating in the AAF and check in on how they did after the first weekend. And then we'll wrap up by looking at some other players across the AAF that could be intriguing prospects to get back in the NFL, potentially help out a team like the Bears after getting their resume back out there and auditioning again here in the AAF. So for those of you that aren't very familiar with the Alliance of American Football, it made its week one debut this past weekend, two games Saturday night, one Sunday afternoon, and one Sunday night with all eight teams in the league participating against each other. And there's some slight rule differences to the NFL. It's still largely the same gridiron football, but there's a couple of little things that the AAF has changed that will kind of serve as an experiment, perhaps, for the NFL in the future. I think the big one is just no kickoffs in the AAF, and there's also no extra points. So the kicker only really comes in for field goals. Still plenty of punting, but instead of kickoffs, a team just gets the ball at the 25-yard line, and that is where they start their drives. And after the first weekend, we found that I personally do miss kickoffs a little bit, but it also does speed up the game a little bit more and has a little bit more of a quick turnaround from touchdown to getting the offense back on the field. The speeding up of the game is also helped by fewer commercial breaks and a shorter play clock that starts immediately when the last play ends. It's only 35 seconds, so the tempo from snap to snap is up as well. Fewer full commercial breaks as well. They'll they'll do more of those split-screen commercials. And what you have is a game that goes much faster than the NFL, and it is a bit refreshing and, and nice. And like I said, no extra points, so every team has to go for two. And onside kicks are a play from scrimmage where you have to convert, I believe, a fourth and 12 from your own 38-yard line. It's kind of some random uh, locations there, but you basically just have to convert a big fourth down in order to successfully have your onside kick. So a lot of little different things that way to differentiate them. They say it to also keep players safer, although there were still plenty of injuries this past weekend, but it was also just week one sort of the first output of AAF football. There was some sloppy play, to say the least, particularly some positions that we'll get into in a little bit. But 
for the most part, it was entertaining football. And I think there was clearly a need for more football. There is no football fatigue from the diehard football fans out there. And it largely got a very positive reception for its first week. It was uh, fun to be a part of on Twitter and seeing everybody going back and forth, declaring their allegiances for the new teams, which, by the way, I wrote up a perfect Bears fans guide to the AAF over on Bears Wire, basically breaking down all five teams with some real big Bears connections to kind of help you decide, okay, which of these teams do you want to root for if you're going to get in on the AAF fund? So you can check that out if you want a little bit more detail there. But for the most part, a pretty well-regarded week one for the new league. Now, obviously, they're going to have some of their own challenges as things go forward. I mean, from a broadcasting standpoint, they had a couple issues here and there. But from an on-the-field talent perspective, they have good players, right? This isn't just like high school-style guys running around. It's I think something like 80-plus percent of the players have been in the NFL at some point, and a lot of guys that are former draft picks and trying to get back in the NFL. But clearly, there is a talent deficiency at quarterback and offensive line, which has been an issue for the NFL in terms of developing talent there, which has kind of been the whole point of the AAF, to develop these players and positions that the NFL has struggled to develop. And so you saw poor quarterback play for almost every team. There were a few individual quarterbacks that stepped up and played pretty well, but for the most part, I think the stat I saw across the board, quarterbacks on the weekend had three touchdowns and 12 interceptions combined. And some of that was just because of rushing touchdowns. There were still plenty of points scored by offenses, but the interceptions were pretty far and around. And saw the offensive line struggle with quite a few sacks given up. There is a rule in the AAF to help the offensive line. It limits the defense's ability to blitz. They they can't blitz more than five players, and all five of those players have to be near the line of scrimmage or in the box in order to be an eligible blitzer. And so teams are still kind of getting used to some of the rule changes. They're still trying to figure out the best way to utilize these players and get everything coming together. But it was only week one. It was just the debut, The not even feel more like the, the dress rehearsal than anything. But as the year goes on, I think you'll see some of that get a little bit more refined and, and get an even better football product out there, especially as these coaches start to adjust and keep up with everything in the league. There's certainly looking to be an early discrepancy in quality of coaching on some teams. That'll be another challenge that they have to kind of work through, but it's also supposed to be a developmental league for coaches. And they started out with a lot of veteran coaches with a lot of NFL experience to get them some legitimacy, and I I totally understand that. But I also think at some point they're going to need to get a little bit more innovative from some of the coaches. There's That's kind of where some of the discrepancy came with some old school coaches kind of struggling to keep up and some of the newer school coaches having a lot of success. But it was only week one. I don't want to overreact too big to anything, but it was a, a fun exercise, and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where the AAF goes from here and how it is going to affect the NFL and teams like your Bears. And as we go along here, if you have any questions about the AAF, any of the players that we're going to talk about today, or how it all connects to the Chicago Bears, feel free to reach out on the Locked On Bears voicemail and text line. 
If we get some good questions rolling in there, maybe we can do a little bit of a mailbag episode as well. That phone number is in the podcast description, however you're listening to the show right now. It's on our Twitter bio. I believe it's in our Facebook page as well. It is 312-620-8590. It's the best way to leave a message with me, and we can answer it right here on the podcast. If you leave a voicemail, we'll play it for you right here on the air. You can also tweet us at Lockdown Bears. You can send us a Facebook message, the Lockdown Bears Facebook page, or you can join in the conversation with fellow listeners of this show in the Locked On Bears Facebook group as well. If you listen to yesterday's podcast episode, we went back and forth on Bryce Callahan versus Adrian Amos. And I put a poll in the Locked On Bears Facebook group, which player would you re-sign if you can only afford one? And as I'm looking at it right now, it is tied, dead split, exactly 50% Adrian Amos, 50% Bryce Callahan. I mean, that, that really tells you the debate is tight. It is a really tough decision. And if you haven't heard yesterday's podcast, go back, take a listen to it, make up your own mind, and then try and join the Locked On Bears Facebook group and join in the conversation, vote in the poll, or let us know what you think on Twitter. Up next, we'll take a look at the former Bears in the AAF, particularly focusing on the five teams that have real substantial connections to Chicago. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Locked on Bears, your home for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And we're going a little bit Bears tangential here, Bears adjacent, with our look at the Alliance of American Football's first big week. The hype is very real. It's catching the football world by storm. And a lot of former Chicago Bears players had a role in that. I've kind of identified five teams that have real connections to the Chicago Bears one way or another. I think all eight teams have at least one player who spent at least one day with an off-season contract of the Chicago Bears, but there's only really five that have you know, guys with significant connections or just a, a multitude of guys that once played in Chicago. Let's start with the Arizona Hotshots the team that is technically affiliated with the Chicago Bears as far as how the league is structured. They, they Each AAF team has a NFL team affiliate, and that is the Bears. It doesn't mean all former Bears players go to Arizona. It's part of their roster building formula, sort of, when a player, depending on what college they went to and what team they played for last, play, players who played for the Bears last would be most likely to go to the Arizona Hotshots. They had a 38-22 win over the Salt Lake Stallions. I believe that was the second most points scored in any game. A pretty strong offensive output was led by a former Chicago Bear at wide receiver, a guy maybe you'll recognize from about boy, almost five years ago now, wide receiver Rashad Ross. Now He was with the Bears in 2014 
which would have been his first real year in the NFL. He'd kind of bounced around a little bit before that. Kind of started out the year on the Bears practice squad under Mark Trestman. Was activated after two weeks. Played for the Bears for two games. Mostly used as a kick returner. Had five kickoff returns for 106 yards. A long of 24. Didn't really make a lot of waves there, but... Moves over to the AAF here with the Hot Shots. Targeted seven times, catches five balls for 103 yards and two touchdowns. One of the most productive receivers of any team this weekend. He really balled out and is on his way potentially back into the NFL if he can keep producing at that level. Hot Shots also got some pretty good production on the other side of the ball from a former Bear. This one, a draft pick of Phil Emery. Defensive lineman Will Sutton, a former Arizona State defensive lineman, was a pretty promising defensive tackle in the Bears 4-3 defense under Mel Tucker. Didn't really fit very well in what John Fox and Vic Fangio were trying to do as much, but he finished with four tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, and two quarterback hits in this game, getting a lot of that interior pressure generated that we saw flashes of in Chicago, but he just couldn't quite put it all together. Hot Chats also have the former Bears undrafted rookie free agent linebacker Niles Morgan out of Notre Dame. He had three tackles in that game as well. The Atlanta Legends have a couple of Bears players that really didn't do a whole lot. Wide receiver Malachi Jones was with the Bears this past preseason, had seven targets and no catches. Really a little bit of a rough performance from him. And uh, former Bears cornerback Doran Grant, who was a fourth-round pick by the Steelers a while back, I believe he was also with the Bears this past preseason. He had a couple tackles and was was more or less solid in coverage. I didn't watch a lot of the Legends game. It was on the same time as a different game that I was more tuned into. So not a lot of Bears presence there and not a lot of production from the Atlanta Legends. But the fan favorite team that, from what I've seen is the Memphis Express, mostly because of their head coach, Samurai Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame Bears linebacker. And... Mm, little bit of a rough debut for Mike and his express shutout 26 to nothing against the Birmingham Iron and uh, when you when you don't score any points you can pretty easily point to poor quarterback play from former Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg still really struggling there and Singletary's express defense they were holding up pretty well it was nine nothing at halftime staying in there given and they forced a couple of turnovers and kept their offense in it but their, their starting quarterback, Hackenberg, finished with 87 yards and a pick. Eventually switched over to Brandon Silvers, who went 3-for-4 for, for 22 yards. It was a little bit of too little, too late from him. So just a defense that really couldn't hold up without an offense and not the debut that Mike Singletary was looking for. And of course, we got to check in on our guy, Evan Rodriguez of the San Antonio Commanders, who we're in a pretty good back and forth on Saturday with the San Diego Fleet, ultimately finishing on top 15-6. to six. But you heard Evan Rodriguez on this podcast last week talking about how he's trying to get back in the NFL, everything he's been through with a lot of different leagues to get to this point. And just a really interesting redemption story for him, but didn't necessarily get that redemption against the Fleet on Saturday night. One target, zero catches, not really all that involved in the passing game. They used him quite a bit as a blocker and moving him around as a sort of a tight end slash fullback hybrid guy and seemed to be doing a decent job there, but not the debut he would have wanted. 
But another wide receiver with some Bears ties really stood out in that game. It was a, a kid by the name of Mikhail McKay. He was an undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati who bounced around the NFL quite a bit, spent a little bit of time on a lot of teams, but he was signed by the Bears to a reserve and future contract last January and was only with the team between January and April of 2018. So, I mean, never even totally stepped on a practice field, but the Bears had him in the building. The Bears had worked him out. They had He had started to learn the offense a little bit, but with the Commanders, five catches for 80 yards and targeted 12 times in the game. I believe the most any receiver in the league was targeted this weekend. He's got the potential for a big role and some big production there, and I'm definitely keeping my eye on him, even if it's not a huge Bears connection. Now, one of his teammates has a pretty big Bears connection. You might remember the former cornerback, Devontae Bowsby, who I believe played about five games in Chicago. Uh, He'd spent the preseason there and and played pretty well, but hadn't done quite enough in those four games, excuse me, to to stick around, but was on the Philadelphia Eagles this past year and, and was involved, I believe, in some of their Super Bowl push as well, mostly spending 2017 on the practice squad and jumping back and forth between the active roster and practice squad this past season, but a longer cornerback at 6'2", a Pittsburgh State product as well, two pass breakups and one interception, really kind of coming on stronger in the second half of the Commanders game against the Fleet, and look to be starting to emerge a little bit there and then push for his spot back in the NFL. And one other former Bears undrafted rookie for agent, Nick Orr, the defensive back out of TCU, you might remember. He might have spent a little bit of time in the Bears practice squad. He had two tackles in the game as well, so not not a huge output from the Bears on the Commanders, but McKay to keep an eye on, Bowsby trying to get back out there. They're, they're fighting, and they're they're working their way back up as best they can. And one last team with some Bears connections, the San Diego Fleet, who we just mentioned the loss to the Commanders. They're head coached by former Bears offensive coordinator Mike Martz, and not a guy that necessarily left a lot of fans in Chicago, but still uh, a respected coach, more known for his time with the St. Louis Rams, but now in San Diego, and not having a lot of success and maybe falling into some of the same things he had done with the Chicago Bears. His quarterback, Mike Bercovici, was running a lot of seven-step drops. And as you might remember from 2010, when Jay Cutler was sacked a league-high 52 times, it might not surprise you that Mike Bercovici was sacked six times in what was close to three quarters, I think, before they ultimately ended up pulling him. I think he might have lingered a little bit into the fourth quarter, but it wasn't a lot of Mike Bercovici there after that third quarter. So he was getting beat up quite a bit in this Mike March system, which sounds quite familiar. Seems as though Martz hasn't totally adapted too much to the modern NFL game. But the one thing I'll, I'll give him credit for, which is a little bit, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but one of his leading receivers was a tight end. Gavin Escobar, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, six targets, four catches, 66 yards. Sure, it's interesting how now he's kind of figured out that a pass-catching tight end can help your offense, but couldn't quite piece that all together when he had Greg Olson in Chicago. But I'm not going to dig up old wounds too bad here, but just kind of funny to see the evolution or some somewhat lack thereof of Mike Martz in the AAF. So clearly the coaches once associated with the Bears aren't necessarily 
doing themselves too many favors in terms of getting them back into the NFL. But we've seen a lot of players in week one of the AAF looking like they deserve a shot back in the league and could potentially be players to help a team like the Chicago Bears. So still to come on the podcast, we're going to look at some of these standout names from across the developmental league's first week, particularly at some positions that could intrigue the Bears and just some other top guys across the AAF that if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm digging into that tape and seeing if I can find a gem here in the spring league. That's next on Locked On Bears. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get back to the AAF here, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of you listeners of this podcast who called into the Locked On Bears voicemail and text line and point out I made a mistake on yesterday's podcast. I was under the impression that Sherrick McManus was going to be a free agent this offseason, but I had glanced a little bit too quickly at his contract details and the cap websites are already updating to 2019, so I saw next year was going to be an undrafted free agent. I associated that with this coming offseason, but Sherrick McManus is under contract for 2019, so if the Bears let Bryce Callahan go, they do have McManus already under contract as they try and figure out what they're going to do with this free agent slot cornerback and free agent safety. If you want more details on that situation, make sure you listen to yesterday's Bryce Callahan versus Adrian Amos podcast if you haven't already. But the AAF could provide some potential talent for the Bears as they try and look to replace one of their starting defensive backs. Not saying you're going to be able to pull an AAF guy and plug him into your week one starting lineup, but at least providing some more depth at those positions and potentially trying to find a gem somewhere in the league. Uh, There was particularly one safety and one cornerback that stood out from the games that I had watched. Some other guys played well too, but I just wanted to isolate one guy at each position that I thought really stood out the most. We start at the cornerback spot for the Memphis Express and Mike Singletary's defense. Cornerback Channing Stribling, I thought, really stood out for some lockdown coverage. He was, I believe, an undrafted free agent out of Michigan, a guy I was particularly high on in the NFL draft. Uh, A longer man-to-man style cornerback, still some obvious deficiencies in terms of fluidity in the hips and trying to, you know, work in zone, keeping his eyes on the ball. And not, not a guy that has had a lot of, you know, interceptions in his past, but a guy who just plays some solid defense. Think maybe a little bit more like Prince Amukamara, obviously not nearly that consistent or effective at this point, but he finished with five tackles and one pass breakup. And again, on the box score stats, that's not necessarily wowing you, but as a cornerback, he was locked down. It was, when they tried and threw the ball in his direction, there was not much space. He wasn't afraid to get up there in running defense as well, and just doing a lot of little things. Not so much a slot cornerback to help with the Bryce Callahan situation, but he, to me, stood out as one of the top cornerback playmakers, in addition to the former Bear Devontae Bowsby with the San Antonio Commanders. Now, Bosby's teammate on the Commanders, 
Orion Stewart really stood out for me as one of the top safeties of the weekend. He also had two pass breakups and one interception, but to me, there were at least one or two other potential dropped interceptions in there. This guy was flying all over the field, getting his hands on some passes, contesting catches across the board, and really looking like a solid potential safety prospect here. Led the commanders with four tackles as well, not afraid to get down and dirty in the running game, and just doing a little bit of everything for that commander's defense. So there is some secondary talent there. It wasn't necessarily showing out across the league, but some some individual guys that could help you out there. I I thought the front sevens were a little bit stronger across the board, so I I just wanted to isolate a few guys. In addition to Will Sutton, the former Bear we talked about earlier on the podcast, another defensive lineman for the San Diego Fleet is Demontre Moore, who you might remember as a third-round pick out of Texas A&M back in 2013 by the New York Giants and wasn't really able to stick in the NFL. He had played some outside linebacker at AM. They tried to make him a little bit more of a 4-3 defensive end. That's a little bit more of what he's doing with the San Diego fleet, playing more with his hand in the dirt. And he was able to get after the quarterback on Saturday. Five tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, but six quarterback hits. He was a step away and closing in on that quarterback, consistently getting pressure on the passer, and it was a, a pretty impressive display from him and a guy that clearly looked like a former third-round pick in the NFL, a guy who might deserve to be heading back there pretty soon. And then the other pass rusher that I thought stood out was Jonathan Massacoy, who was a fifth-round pick by the Atlanta Falcons. He's more of a true outside linebacker than a defensive lineman, and he could be a, a potential guy that you know, could be a rotational pass rusher if he makes it back in the NFL. He'd kind of bounce around with the Falcons, Titans, and Chiefs before ending up with the Birmingham Iron. And Jonathan Massacoy had two sacks, three quarterback hits, three tackles for loss, and five tackles total in the shutout of Mike Singletary's Memphis Express. Massacoy was giving Christian Hackenberg problems for a lot of the game, being able to get out there and just be disruptive. And even with the rules in the AF limiting what pass rushers and blitzing can do, Massacoy was out there making a name for himself, uh, another former draft pick that looked like an NFL talent playing among lesser players. Sticking in that iron defense, one of their linebackers, Demarcus Gates or Demarquise, not totally. There's a Q in there, Q-U-I-S, so I'm not not an expert on uh, phonic, phonetics and linguistics here with names, but the linebacker Demarquise Gates, I believe may have led the AAF, but certainly led the iron with 10 tackles, one tackle for loss, and two forced fumbles. He was getting this iron offense the ball back in the first half, even when they weren't able to finish drives in the end zone. He was a beast at that inside linebacker position, really not afraid to get down and dirty, getting in in some of those battles with offensive linemen, beating blocks to get to running backs and wrap up and you know not leave extra yards out on the field because Gates was shooting those gaps, uh, diagnosing and attacking running plays easily and and being that threat and, and still, still being able to hold up in coverage and at least find the ball and, and get to the ball carrier and the receiver and, and just be all over the field with a, a little bit of a relentless motor in there as well. So some, some pretty good linebacker play across the AAF. The other one I wanted to highlight was for the Orlando Apollos, linebacker Terrence Garvin, who 
was undrafted out of West Virginia in 2013, played two seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers, then one in Washington, one with the Seahawks, and a little bit with the 49ers just this past year, but didn't really stick around, wasn't able to have too much of an impact there. But with the Apollos, eight tackles, one tackle for loss, two pass breakups, and two interceptions. There were a couple times, I think one of his pass breakups also led to an interception where he tipped it up and someone else picked it off. Don't don't quote me on that for sure, but that might have been him. It sounds familiar. But he was just, you know, eyes on the quarterback in the middle of the field. I didn't watch a ton of the Apollos game, so I can't sit here and say I had my eyes on every snap he played, but I was jumping back and forth between that and the Commanders game that were on at the same time, and I saw Garvin's interceptions, and this is a guy who can find ball, get ball, make plays in the passing game, and, and potentially be that modern NFL linebacker to help you out in coverage a little bit more, be able to step up and play the run, be able to blitz and get after the quarterback. And for an undrafted free agent that's spent some time in the NFL, I thought Garvin was a guy who really stepped up and maybe made himself some money in the AAF. And like I mentioned, the offensive play in the, in the Lions wasn't necessarily great, but just a, a couple of players, in the particularly in the Birmingham Iron offense, that stood out to me. Quarterback Luis Perez, I thought, was by far the best quarterback of anybody that played over the weekend. He only finished 19 of 33 for 252 yards, but he had at least four or five dropped passes and looked the most NFL-ready from a mechanic standpoint, technique, being able to go through a progression, read coverages, extend plays with his legs. Luis Perez, he was an undrafted free agent, a kind of an interesting story, out of Texas A&M Commerce, one of the best Division II players in the year, or one of the best Division II players in the country, uh, didn't really play high school football, had come to college, I believe, as a wide receiver, was a really good bowler, supposedly, but then switched to football and just was phenomenal at Texas A&M Commerce and now played a little bit in the preseason with the Los Angeles Rams, and then is now with the Birmingham Iron, and really, to me, had the best performance of any quarterback, looked like a legit NFL passer, and he had a pretty strong connection with wide receiver Quinton Patton, who you might remember as a fourth-round pick by the San, the San Francisco 49ers, played there from 2013 to 2016, a Louisiana Tech product. He dropped two or three of, of Perez's passes, but still caught four of them for 107 yards. I mean, he was the downfield threat, and the Perez to Patton connection looked like NFL quarterback to NFL wide receiver. The last position I want to wrap up with might be the biggest position of need for the Chicago Bears, the kickers. Kicking across the AAF with no kickoffs, no extra points, was pretty legit. I mean, there was almost, I think, only one field goal was missed, or there were a couple field goals missed, but really not much. A lot of kickers kicking 100%. Just wanted to identify a couple of them that particularly stood out. One was a, a kicker the Bears brought in for a workout in January, Nick Folk, who you might remember as the longtime kicker of the New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys before that. Now, he was two of three. He was one of the few kickers that missed, and he actually doinked a 46-yarder, but he also nailed one from 53, was one of the few kickers that attempted and hit a 50-plus-yard field goal and also hit a 32-yarder. So he looks like, you know, the, the doink might scare you a little bit, but he still looks ready to kick in the NFL. And then another Nick with the Birmingham Iron, Nick Novak, who kicked for the San Diego Chargers for a number of years, the Texans for a few years as well, and the Los Angeles Chargers again in 2017. He went 4-for-4. 29 yards, 28 yards, 47 yards, and 31 yards. 
not hitting the most difficult kicks in the world, but hit all the kicks he was asked to do. You know, you can't fault them for not hitting long kicks when he doesn't get to attempt any long kicks. I believe he was the only kicker that attempted and hit four field goals over the weekend. So it looks like the AAF has some kicking talent and is going to give NFL teams a look at more kicking in game, real game pressure situations for these kickers. So far, Folk and Novak both are, are standing out a little bit, and some other kickers across the league. A lot of guys were like two for two on some easier distance kicks. So, so far, the kicking in the AAF is good, and as the Bears look for kickers, have to think Ryan Pace will be tuning in every weekend to see these Alliance of American Football kickers. Hopefully, by now, you're convinced the Alliance of American Football is legit. There is real talent there. I think it's fun to watch, and I'm excited to see where the AAF goes from here. I'm sure as their 10-week season goes on, we'll check in periodically here on Locked On Bears to try and find the Bears' connections here, check in on the former Bears players and coaches, and see which talented players that are stepping up in those games could be potential off-season solutions for this Bears roster. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Like I said earlier, you can follow along on Twitter, on Facebook, in the Locked on Bears Facebook group as well. And you can join in the show with your questions on the Locked on Bears voicemail and text fan line. It's 312 620 8590. You send us your questions and we'll put them on the show and try and do a little bit of a mailbag podcast as they keep coming in. So keep coming back to Locked On Bears. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend about the podcast. Help us spread the word and make the offseason that much easier for your fellow Bears fans because when you stick together, it's that much easier to bear down. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.